like that. You want to try Hello, everybody, that. and welcome like to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Give yourselves a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. It is officially the first episode post the 2023 NFL Draft, and it is a exciting time. The NFL Draft is always my favorite time of the year. It, like When you have teams that you grow up watching that never really have a shot at making a championship game. Like, I know people out there like like Warriors fans or Patriots fans. Growing up, you had all these championships to look forward to. Alabama fans, where you're like, the best part of the year is when we play the last game of the year and we come out champions. It's what we look forward to. But when your teams suck your entire life, you never really look forward to the postseason because of, hey, we're probably going to lose. The chances of making a playoff run are relatively slim. I understand there's some teams in the past that have made some pretty big playoff runs that weren't spe- weren't expected to, but I can probably say my teams were never involved in those deep playoff runs. And when they were favorites to win said championship, or at least one of the favorites, they have never really come up on top. The only team that I was ever happy about the postseason starting was the Chicago Blackhawks. That was the only time I was ever like confident going into a postseason like, hey, we can win this thing. We can win this thing. Won three cups in five years. I'll freaking take it. I'll freaking take it. 10, 13, 15. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Now we're waiting for the NHL uh, the NHL draft lottery. We'll see if the Blackhawks, they won't, but we were waiting to see if the Chicago Blackhawks will get the first overall pick in the draft. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But we are here to talk about the 2023 NFL draft. Again, the best time of the year. Absolute best time of the year. But before we get into that, let's go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's what you're listening to right now. Make sure you're subscribed to the Twitter account at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account at Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube. Search The Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel and like and follow the Facebook page. You can check out our latest mock draft on there. It's all, invo- it's all, none of the mock drafts matter anymore. None of the mock drafts matter anymore. We could do a potential top 10 for next year's draft or the players that will be considered in consideration for one of the top picks in the draft, but we don't know the draft order. We don't know how each team's going to be after this year. So the only draft orders that we have available right now are the current draft order of what it was before the draft, and we didn't have any trades like the Seahawks or the, the Rams and Broncos would have top 10 picks. The Bears would be picking number one. We're not going to do it like that. We'll go over some of the top players next year's draft. You know most of them, or at least some of them. I shouldn't say most of them. You know some of them. I'll talk about that a little bit as well. But yeah, Mock Draft 4.0 did not get the same number of views as all the other Mock Drafts. It has gotten 32 views, <laughs> which is fine because it was released the day of the draft. I'm not expecting something to garner up a bunch of views the day of the draft. And not even just the day of the draft, a few hours before the draft. I think we posted it at like either 1 or 2 o'clock on Thursday. So it, it wasn't going to get as many views like the other Montrest that we did. And I really appreciate everybody doing this. But uh, Montrest 1.0 got 173 views. 173. Thank you for everybody that clicked on it. I don't care if you read it or anything. Just as long as you clicked on it, I appreciate that. Uh, Montrest 2.0 got 83. Montrest 3.0 got 97. And then as we just said, Montrest 4.0, 32. But again, that just came out the day of the draft. Other these, All these other ones came out weeks before the draft. February 20th for Mock Draft 1.0, March 13th for Mock Draft 2.0, April 3rd, and then April 27th. We could have released it on Monday, on uh, April 24th. I believe that was last Monday. We could have released it then, but just get all the rumors in and out and all that stuff. 
had to release it. And when room, as you get close to the draft, we've said this a thousand times, as you get close to the draft, the worse rumors start to get. And we'll go over what we had in Mock Draft 4.0 before we get into the actual draft. But again, the main thing, of course, is make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts. The only way you know what I'm saying right now is if you're currently listening to the show. So might as well just double check and make sure you are subscribed. And if you're not subscribed, you might as well hit it. And if you are subscribed and you haven't left a five-star rating, I would appreciate it if you did. And again, it doesn't need to be a five-star rating. It could be a one-star rating if you really feel like it. But uh, just as long as you leave a description down below. If you leave a description down below, I'll get over it. I got pretty thick skin. I'll get over it. I'll get a what? Will I be happy about receiving a one-star rating? No. But well, again, we'll get over it. Now, one thing we have to go over with mock drafts is that you're never going to have a perfect mock draft. I'm intrigued to know what is more unlikely. Because I don't know what the current odds of someone getting it 100% right is. The NFL draft, the first round of the NFL draft, is it more likely you get 100% right in the NFL draft? Or is it more likely you get 100% right in March Madness? Which one's more likely? And I understand the NFL draft's only got 32 picks. Normally, this one had 31 picks. And the NCAA tournament has 68 picks. I mean, technically 64, but if you want to count the play-in games, then you got 68. So you got all these different games or different teams to choose from. Maybe that makes it a little bit harder. But I don't know. I feel like like nobody know like we have a general grasp about what each team in college basketball is. The NFL draft, we do not know anything. Because we have watched the college basketball teams. We don't know what these coaches, these scouts, these GMs, owners, whatever, what they have said to players, what they've done with players, whatever. We don't know. We don't know. So I would argue that the NFL draft is probably harder to predict. That's why I try not to do any trades anymore. Because my drafts when I first started, like, really paying attention to the draft. Because I always watched the draft growing up. But I didn't actually, like, start analyzing every single thing until my freshman year of college. That was where I really started getting. I remember the first mock draft I officially posted was the 2018 draft. But I started really following the draft during the 2017 draft, which was Miles Garrett, Trubisky, you know, all those guys. The fun draft, Solomon Thomas. Then the fourth pick was Fournette. Fifth pick was Corey Davis. Sixth pick was... Who was the sixth pick in that draft? I can't remember who the sixth pick was. Seventh pick, do I remember who the seventh pick was? That was Mike Williams. Eighth pick was Chris McCaffrey. Ninth pick, I think, was Leonard Floyd. 10th pick was Patrick Mahomes. Who was the 6th pick? Who would that have been? Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams was the 6th pick. 11th pick? Ooh, let's see how far we can go with this. Le- 11th pick? I want to say it was Marshawn Lattimore or Vernon Hargraves. I I don't know. No, Vernon Hargraves was 2016. So that was my senior year of high school. 2016 draft. So I think it was Lattimore. I think. Could be wrong. The 12th pick was Deshaun Watson. 13th pick, I think we're done at 13, <laughs> just off the, off the, I gotta make sure, let's, uh, what was it, 2017 end of field draft, like, I, I just wanna make sure I got the first 12 picks exactly right, Marshawn Lattimore, let's freaking go, okay, let's go, let's go, we got every pick right up to that point, Hassan Reddick was 13, Derek Barnett was 14, Malik Hooker was 15, Marlon Humphrey 17, Jonathan Allen 17, Marlon Humphrey 16, sorry, Dory Jackson 18, OJ Howard 19, Garrett Bowles Gerard Davis, uh, <laughs> uh, Charles Harris went to the Dolphins, Evan Ingram, Garyon Conley, which is a fun pick for the Raiders, Jabril Peppers, Ter- Tack McKinley, one of the more memorable draft moments in NFL history, Tredavious White, pick 27th there, Taco Charlton, David Njoku, TJ Watt, 
Ruben Foster, and Ryan Ramchek. I knew Ryan Ramchek was 32 because I knew Ramchek and Lattimore were drafted the same year. But So 12 picks in a row, I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, I, I missed out on Jamal Adams first, but I, I went back to that one. I went back to that one. My dad was betting quarters with some friends during this draft. They were going down to Alabama or something, so they were, they were betting quarters on the draft. My dad had <laughs> every fourth pick, so that was pretty easy. That was pretty easy. Like, it was Leonard Fournette, Chris McCaffrey, these two, the Jaguars and Panthers, the kitty cat teams, they were pretty much, like, guaranteed to draft running backs. Then he had the 12th pick. Once the Texans traded up, Trubisky and Mahomes were off the board. Well, it's Deshaun Watson. It makes sense the Texans trade up for quarterback. 16th pick, Ozzie Newsom, the then-GM, loves himself some Alabama players. So Marlon Humphrey went there. And then we had the 20th pick. I don't remember what I said for the 20th. I, I, you know what? I said Gareth Bowles. Garrett Bowles. <laughs> I have no idea if I said Garrett Bowles there. But the draft's just really fun. The draft's fun. And this draft was arguably, I don't want to say the most unpredictable draft ever, because I don't think that's fair. I It was a weird draft. Let's just put it like that. Because I have never in my life seen so many rumors going around about the quarterback position in this draft. Ultimately, to have the quarterback positions go where they should have gone, really. Especially in the first round. Like, if you were telling me a month ago where I thought the quarterbacks would go. Or a couple weeks ago. Where I would say the quarterbacks would go. And they've been my quarterback rankings for months now. I have not changed. You can go back to November, December, whenever we released the last quarterback rankings. It's been the same forever. And that is Young, Stroud, Richardson, Levis, Hennon, Hooker. That was the order in the draft. But with all these reports coming out the week before the draft, or the week of the draft, the day of the draft, about how the Houston Texans are definitely not taking a quarterback. The Houston Texans are not sold on any of the quarterbacks in this draft at the number two pick. Houston Texans this. Houston Texans that. Oh, did you see how big, dumb idiot C.J. Stroud is? Did you see all that stuff? Oh, he's not coachable. He skipped out the Manning Passing Academy. He did this. He did that. Big, dumb idiot. He's not going to get drafted high. They got the Colts. Oh, the Colts are heavily linked to Will Levis. Heavily linked to Will Levis. The Mannings love Will Levis. The Mannings secretly run the Indianapolis Colts. They love themselves some Will Levis. They want the Colts to draft him. But if you were telling me what, again, what I thought should happen was Young, Stroud, Richardson, and Levis to the Titans. Like, we had a mantra of 3.0. Wait. Given the context of time, back at that point, Stroud was seen as the favorite to go number one by some people out there. Given all the stuff that they said to Stroud during the pro day and stuff like that, and the fact that he played, he performed the best at pro days and combine in regards to the just the throwing section. So it was like Stroud Young, one, two. In some order, that was going to be it. Stroud Young, one, two. Richardson, four to the Colts. And then Levis goes to 11th of the Titans. And I said this for weeks that I had zero grasp on where Will Levis was actually going to go in this draft. I had zero grasp on it. Because when you looked at what Levis did this offseason, and regardless of what happened on the field, on the field's important, and we've tried to defend Levis here on the show a few times, because I think he's a fine quarterback. Do I think he played well this year? Not really. He did not take the step that everybody was expecting him to from the season before to this year. Like, everybody was like, oh, the NFL teams love Will Levis. Will Levis going to be number one overall pick, even though nobody understands why that would be the case. But then you look at what happened this offseason, and you start to see things like, we brought this up after the Combine. Like, his stuff at the Combine was so odd. Like, he came in after the Combine, or during the Combine, he was like, 
Oh yeah, I've got the I've got a cannon. I got an absolute cannon. I got the strongest arm in the draft, and I'm gonna show it off. So why why say that? And then once you say that, you've got to show it off. There was zero wow throws from Levis at the combine for how much hype was built around that. And like all these throws you were making, they weren't like eye eye popping or anything. Like some of the throws Richardson were making were eye popping. Like Will Malik Willis the year before had some eye popping throws. For how big of a cannon Levis claimed he had, he did not show it off at the combine. And we said this, Stetson Bennett threw the deep ball better than, than Will Levis at the combine. And Will Levis had the strongest arm in the draft. And then Dorian Thompson Robinson threw the ball faster than Will Levis. 59 miles an hour is fast, but when Dorian Thompson Robinson throws 62, and he's not talking about how much of a cannon he has, and he's not necessarily known for his throwing power, that kind of <laughs> is kind of weird. And then you've got the whole... Uh, the pictures that came out where he's flexing after the after the combine, where he's like, "Oh, look how good I look right now." The interviews weren't a very good process either. Like it was just a weird off season for Will Levis, and we said that weeks ago. We said it the week before the draft. Like I went on Colin Company, and I was like, "I have no grasp on where this dude's gonna go. I have no idea where this guy's gonna go." But then once the Indianapolis Colts rumors started swirling a little bit, it came down to two options. Option A, he is definitely going to Indianapolis. Or option B, he's definitely not going to Indianapolis. It was like those two. There was no maybes. It was like, oh, all the smoke around Will Levis says that he's going to the Indianapolis Colts at fourth overall. What? How much smoke there was, there was like enough of that. Because when you're around the draft, when you're trying to follow the draft, trying to make sure you get as accurate as possible, you look at these things and you're like, okay, when there's smoke, there's usually fire, right? One would assume that, right? But with how much smoke there is, there was like, is this this is one or the other? I have no grasp on that. I'm going to take a punt and say that Levis is going to go here. Do I agree with this? Not necessarily. I think Richardson's to go here. Because of the fact he worked out with Gardner Minshew earlier this offseason, I think him and Shane Steichen would be really fun to watch together. I think he can do more things with the football in his hands than any other player in this draft, regardless of position. Like, I would take him. I said if I had the number one overall pick in the draft, I would take either Young or Richardson. But with the Texans not sold on taking a quarterback at two, per reports, like Peter Schrager went all these different shows and said, no, they're not taking a quarterback at two. They're not doing it. They're going to take either Willie Anderson or Tyree Wilson. He went on Pat McAfee's show and said, hey, they're taking Tyree Wilson second overall. Then releases mock draft and he goes, oh, they're actually taking Willie Anderson. So we ended up going Will Anderson just because of the connection to the University of Alabama because D'Amico Ryans is a former Crimson Tide football player. So that was what our connection was there. And if you're talking about the here and now, Will Anderson is better than Tyree Wilson. I would have understood if Houston went Tyree Wilson number two because of the fact you see the athletic traits that he has, the 86-inch wingspan and all that stuff. You see the potential. You think you can mold in that. Have another situation where we have Trayvon Walker going first ahead of Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. It'd be one of those situations. Bull Anderson, production-wise, was just so much better throughout the years he was at Alabama. Heisman final or not Heisman finalist, finished as a Heisman finalist, but wasn't invited to New York for the Heisman ceremony. Had 17 or 18 and a half sacks. This year he had around 10 and a half. Played a little bit of a different role this year than he did the previous year, which is why his numbers went down a little bit. But all the reports were like, oh, they're going edge rusher second. And then Indy was taking Will Levis. And you're like, well, what the hell? 
are we having a draft day situation, like the movie draft day where the Cleveland Browns pass on Bo Callahan and then everyone's like freaking out about, hey, why the hell did you not take Bo Callahan first overall? He's the can't-miss prospect of the draft. And he falls all the way to, I think, sixth overall. Dumb movie. I, I mean, it's not terrible, but it's definitely not realistic. I saw Steve Kime, I think I was on Colin Coward's show. Steve Kime said draft day was extremely realistic, which does not surprise me. Given the Cardinals draft, <laughs> draft strategy with Steve Kime as their GM, that does not surprise me in the slightest that he thinks that movie's realistic. Because it's not. I've never been in an NFL draft war room, but I can promise you, you don't trade up to number one and then start questioning why you traded up to number one. You don't do that. And then you don't trade back into the first round to tr- take a pick at six to screw over the team that screws you out of the first overall pick. And then you get all their picks back. That would not happen. They said, you made your bed, now lay in it. That's all you know. A stupid movie. But it was one of those situations. It was like, well, all these reports are coming about how dumb, how big of a dumb idiot C.J. Stroud is. Why is nobody, like, if you watch C.J. Stroud play, and you just on the field at Ohio State, and then you watch what he did at the Combine and at his pro day, again, at a, Richardson stole the show at the Combine given the athletic traits and stuff that he did, like the 40-yard dash, vertical, broad jump, all that stuff. That was Anthony Richardson. Throwing aspect, C.J. Stroud was better than every other quarterback at the Combine. He performed better as pro day than every other quarterback in the draft. Like, all the stuff that came out with C.J. Stroud, I get so confused about in hindsight because it doesn't make any sense. I don't know where – Chris Ballard, GM of the Indianapolis Colts, came out and said the same thing. If I don't know where these rumors came from. Like, I, I said this on Wednesday's show last week. I don't believe C.J. Stroud's got an 18% on the cogn- the S2 cogn- cognitive test. And I know my dad's going to make fun of me for that, but I can't say cognitive for some reason. Cognition, whatever. I-, I refuse to believe that was his score. You cannot play quarterback at the highest level and be that much of an idiot. There's 0% chance that was an accurate score. So I don't know who is coming out with these rumors. If it was the Texans that came out with these rumors, I don't know what they stood to gain out of that because of the fact... The Panthers traded up to draft C.J. Stroud, or to draft Bryce Young. That's what the reports were, that they traded up to draft Bryce Young. So you weren't losing C.J. Stroud to anything, unless you were just trying to, like, nail down the fact that, hey, do not draft C.J. Stroud first overall. I don't know what they would have to gain from that. And I look at, like, the Titans at 11. Like, would they have been a possible team that was trying to get Stroud to fall in that area? Because we said this the other day. They don't have the picks to trade up to three. That's why when we kept going through all these different trades in my head about the Cardinals trading third overall pick, the Titans didn't make any sense because they had six picks. You're not trading from 11 to six, eleven to three to draft a quarterback because your team's not any good in the first place. We brought up the 49ers example when they traded for Trey Lance from going from 12 to three. Their roster, they were only reason they were picking 12 is because they had a shit ton of injuries. They weren't down there because they were bad or completely skinned their team. The Titans are bad, and they also skinned their entire franchise, pretty much. You look at all the key players they cut or released this offseason. They weren't in the position to allow themselves to trade up to three to draft a quarterback because they were going to suck next year, and then you don't have a first-round pick next year. You're kind of screwing yourself. It's like the Houston Texans. When they did the Sean Watson trade, the Cleveland Browns got the third, the fourth overall pick in 2018 because Sean Watson tore his ACL, and you were forced to go with 21 Tom Savage for the rest of the season. Like, that fourth overall pick would have definitely helped, and maybe you still have Deshaun Watson as your quarterback. But maybe that's the be- Maybe having C.J. Stroud is a big thing. And I didn't want to believe all this stuff about, oh, the Houston Texans don't like C.J. Stroud because of his agent, and he shares the same agent with Deshaun Watson. 
But when they all these reports were coming, I was like, well, that has to be something, doesn't it? Like you look, like you look at all the other people that this guy represents. He doesn't just represent C.J. Stroud and Deshaun Watson. So when we were first doing mock drafts, the first mock draft we did had Bryce Young going one, C.J. Stroud two. Like that was what the logical thing said. And I had someone on Instagram message me or a comment on my post for mock draft 1.0 and said there's no way the Texans are drafting C.J. Stroud because of the agent thing. I was like, I don't think that's the case. And back then there was like 0% chance that I thought that was a problem or at least a 1%. I'll give it a 1% chance because there was part of me that was thinking of that. But then as you get close to the draft and you hear all these reports, the Texans aren't sold to quarterbacks. Like the only reason they would be not sold would it be because of the agent? Like I don't, I don't understand what what is not to like about C.J. Stroud. And again, I've had my reservations about C.J. Stroud in regards to. There's times he looks a little flustered in the pocket. There's times he doesn't look comfortable. I think he's by far the most accurate quarterback in this draft class. I don't think he has an insane arm, but he has a good arm. He doesn't use his athletic ability as much as he should. He's a good athlete. He just doesn't. He chooses not to run. I've compared him to the likes of Joe Burrow and the likes of like Derek Carr, who are good athletes that just don't choose to run the football that much. They can. I think Joe Burrow's more mobile than Derek Carr, but they could move the ball. Capable enough to move the ball, they just don't choose not to. They choose not to. So in hindsight, it's like, man, I wish I just did what Daryl Jeremiah did, who I've said for years, that Daniel Jeremiah is the best at this NFL draft stuff. And I said that I've brought this up a few times this draft season. Mel Kuyper is the godfather when it comes to the NFL draft. Mel Kuyper is the reason the NFL draft is as big as it is. But if we're going from an accuracy standpoint, if we're going from a film study standpoint, Daniel Jeremiah is the best. He is the best at it. And you could see that in the draft. He used the he got the first three picks exactly right. Exactly right. Like where I got the first, like, if I'm looking at the grand scheme of my mock draft versus the other mock drafts that came out big, you got Mel Kuyper, you got Todd McShay, you got Dane Brugler from The Athletic, you got Daniel Jeremiah. Those are usually the big guys that you look at for mock drafts. You can look at Bucky Brooks, you look at Peter Schrager, you can look at Matt Miller, you can look at Jordan Reed, you can look at all these different people. But those are the main guys here. Comparatively, Daniel Jeremiah got 10, Todd McShay got 7, Dane Brugler got 5, and Mel Kuyper got 3. Logan got 7. And I'm not sitting here saying that, oh, I'm the greatest mock draft person of all time, because obviously not because Daniel Jeremiah got 10. But that's an example of Daniel Jeremiah just being levels above everybody else in regards to this NFL draft stuff. And then not only that, you look at the top 50 picks in the draft. 42 out of the 50 top picks in the draft were in Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 players. Like, for someone who's not in the NFL in regards to, he's not interviewing these players, he's not in the scouting department anymore, he was a part of the Ravens scouting department for a while, but he's not in the rooms, he doesn't know what they're looking for, he goes off intuition and stuff like that, what he's watched, and 42 out of the 50 players were taken in the top 50. That's insanely impressive. That's almost ridiculous. That's almost unfathomable to think about. But yet it happened. And again, I want to get. I always want to give Mel Kiper his props because Mel Kiper, again, popularized this. The reason the NFL draft is as big as it is is because of Mel Kiper, solely because of Mel Kiper. And I saw some stuff today that ESPN and producers think that Mel Kiper should be in the Hall of Fame, and I can understand why. There's reporters in the Hall of Fame. There's writers in the Hall of Fame. The NFL has made so much money on the NFL draft being as big as it is. There, were, What did they say? There was like 100-something-plus thousand people the first night of the draft. We look back at the draft of the Nashville draft. 
for the when the, the Titans hosted it. Like, look at that draft. Look at the Vegas draft. Like, there are so many people go to this. So many people watch it. The the, the COVID draft where uh, the commissioner, Roger Goodell, was in his freaking basement doing it in front of a TV. Look at that draft. They owe a lot to Mel Kuyper. But that being said, Daniel Jeremiah is the most accurate one. And getting these three picks, first three picks exactly right is insane to me. Now, the Texans gave up a lot to move up to third overall from 12th. That's a lot to give up. They don't have a first-round pick next year in a draft that a lot of people assume is going to be better than this year's draft, which is always – that's how it always happens. That's how it always happens. Like, this year's quarterback class is good. Next year's is better. Every single year, you'll hear that. Every single year. Oh, next year's quarterback class is better. Next year's quarterback class is better. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Houston. I like your coach. I like what you guys are building down there. I love C.J. Stroud. I like Will Anderson a lot. They're probably not going to be very good this year. Because the Jaguars are going to be good. The Colts will be better. And we'll talk about the Colts in a little bit, but I don't think the Texans will be very good. So they're going to have, one would assume, a top 10 pick, and the Cardinals are going to suck ass. So there is, Cardinals will go into this draft next year, assuming, you know, everything goes how I think it will. The Cardinals have two top 10 picks. And for how bad their roster is, they'll be able to trade one of those picks because they're locked into a contract with Kyler Murray. And they drafted Paris Johnson because of, or one, I'm not saying because of, but they got the approval or wanted, their quarterback, Kyler Murray, wanted Paris Johnson. So they at least listen to what he has to say. So they can trade that pick next year for a bounty to get one of the top quarterbacks next year's drafting, Caleb Williams or Drake May. That's at least that's how it seems right now. Caleb Williams, I'm fairly confident, is going to be up there regardless, but we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, they paid a lot. They paid a lot, and I was not surprised that the Houston or the Tennessee Titans didn't trade up. I was not surprised by that at all. I was surprised they passed on a quarterback in round one to a certain extent, but the player they got in Pierre Skronsky makes sense. Makes sense. But to get that right, like and Daniel Jeremiah in his mantra, he said, "I just use my common sense." And you're like, "Yeah, that's what you probably should have done. That's what I probably should have done." But all the reports out there were saying they're going to take a edge rusher. They're going to take an edge rusher. No one knows what the Texans are going to do. Because usually when you have a team that nobody knows what they're going to do, it comes out like the day of the draft of what they're going to do. And nothing changed on the front that the Houston Texans were going to draft an edge rusher. Nothing changed on that. And technically it did with the third overall pick. So it's it's odd. It's an odd one. But Daniel Jeremiah had another great draft. Ten picks right in the first round, which is impressive. In a relatively unpredictable draft, getting ten picks is good. And this is – I should put the little caveat here. This is 10 picks right as saying players going to said team. I'm not saying it's exactly right in regards to the fact that he had the exact player and the exact pick and all that stuff. There are some of those like that, but we're just counting. And this is for all of them, including myself. This is just player team. That's it. Did we think player would draft or team would draft said player? Yes. Did they draft him with the second pick or the third pick? Don't matter. Because that's what happened with that with the Houston Texans. We had Will Anderson going second. He went third. But he still went to the Texans. So we'll see how that one goes. But as far as the first round goes in general, comparatively to my mock draft, again, seven picks right is fine. First overall pick, we got that one right, Bryce Young. A fairly, fairly predictable one. Two, we already talked about it. We had Will Anderson going here, and they were not, from all reports, not drafting C.J. Stroud. We're not drafting C.J. Stroud. The best, second best quarterback by a lot of people's estimates in the draft. I've had him and Anthony Richardson pretty much joint at two. 
But I've always had, if we're going to go like, who would I mention first? I would mention Stroud first. Given what we know, like right now, Stroud is currently better than Richardson. But I think Richardson can be, and I think probably will be, the best quarterback in this draft. And I could be wrong. I'm open to being wrong about that, but I love the dude. I think his interviews in the process afterwards have been really good. So yeah, Cardinals at three. They traded back. We had him taking Tyree Wilson. That's what it felt like. It said they like they really liked Paris Johnson, but if they stood pat at three, they were going to draft one of the edge rushers. And they could have drafted Paris Johnson at three. They traded back with the Texans. got Will Anderson. So the Texans came out of the first round with C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. Top edge rusher and to a few people out there, the top quarterback in the draft. Can't really ask for more. Gave up a lot. Again, a lot to make that trade. But it's what happens. And then uh, Colts at four. Again, they were either definitely taking Will Levis or definitely not taking Will Levis. It was definitely not. And I'm super happy they took Richardson. Like, there's times where you have a thing that you're trying to predict. And when you put something to paper, put notes to paper, whatever, and you say, I think this will happen. You want to be as accurate as possible. You want to be the most accurate person out there in regards to mock draft stuff like this. Or, like, if you're making tournament predictions, you want to be as accurate. Like, but when a certain thing happens and you're like, you know what? That might not have been about how I predicted it, but I'm happy that happened. I had the same thing going on with Euro 2020. Or, no, the 2018 World Cup. 2018 World Cup. Sweden, was, I didn't have them qualifying out of the group. Didn't have a qualifying out of the group. Same with the, the oh, wait, no, with the, what did we have with the Euros? There had to be some of the Euros, too. But for Sweden in the 2018 World Cup, we didn't have them qualifying in a group. They were a group of Germany, Mexico, and South Korea. So I wasn't really sitting there going like, okay, Sweden is not going to go out of this group. I thought it was going to be Germany and Mexico. Turns out it was going to be Sweden winning the group. But once Sweden won the group and then won their first knockout stage game, it was like, prediction be damned. I'm, I'm cheering for Sweden. So, like... Though I didn't get the pick right and had Will Levis going to Indianapolis because that's what all the reports were saying, I'm super happy that happened. I'm super happy that happened. I think he's going – and, like, people are pointing out the start thing, 13 career starts. And I was talking to my dad today about this because my dad even texted me about this during the draft. I was talking to him when we were leaving lunch today, 13 career starts. This would have been more had he not gotten hurt the season prior because we brought this this game up on the show before. Against USF, the season before last – Emory Jones threw two absolutely horrific interceptions. Horrific interceptions. And Florida was dominating the game on the scoreboard, but when you're playing a team as bad as USF, especially that year, you, as Florida, should be absolutely annihilating them and feel confident in your performance. But with Emory Jones throwing two bad interceptions, he got benched. Anthony Richardson put up over 100 yards passing and 100 yards rushing in the game, scored a couple touchdowns in the game as well, but got hurt. And Emory Jones, the next game... Came out and threw for like 300, 400 yards. So he got the job back. If Richardson didn't get hurt, we're talking about more starts from next the year before. And I'm not saying like maybe he goes up to 20 starts or something. I don't know. But I'm not worried about the starts. Because Trubisky's going to get brought up a lot. He's going to be the main guy here. Because he also had 13 career starts. It was the, at the time, or even still, even still because Anthony Richardson only had 13 starts, is the most, or the least amount of draft, least amount of starts for a quarterback draft in the first round. Least amount of starts, 13. Trubisky had that when he got drafted second overall in 2017. Anthony Richardson got that when he was drafted fourth overall this year. And though they're, the starts are similar, here's the difference between the two, okay? When you look at Trubisky, 
and you look at Richardson, from a talent standpoint, Richardson is head and shoulders above a lot of quarterbacks that have been drafted in the past 20-something years. And this is strictly from a talent standpoint. This is not talking about what they are currently. If you're talking about just natural, God-given ability from the quarterback position, Anthony Richardson's more talented than a lot of quarterbacks that have been drafted. You can look up at the likes of Cam Newton up there. Look at Josh Allen. In regards to talent, talent, there's a lot of different, I'm not, again, there's a lot of different factors that go into that. But from a talent standpoint, Richardson is head and shoulders above Trubisky. Stronger arm, bigger, stronger, faster, like, that's Richardson. Played in the SEC versus the ACC. And Trubisky played really well. If you're going from a college standpoint, Trubisky had a better season at North Carolina than Anthony Richardson did. Regardless of strictly numbers-based, Trubisky had a very good season in North Carolina in those 13 starts. He had like 30-something passing touchdowns that year. Like People try to rewrite history and say he wasn't deserving of the top pit, like one of the top. He was a good quarterback in college. Just a very minimal number of starts. The next issue here, the next difference between Richardson and, and uh, Trubisky Richardson's going to a place where the team wants him, and the team is unified around drafting him. When Trubisky got drafted second overall, the only person that knew that Trubisky was going to the Bears was Ryan Pace. That's the only person. Because if you look back at that draft, John Fox thought they were drafting Jamal Adams at third overall. John Fox was not in the market for a quarterback. They just signed Mike Lennon this offseason, who to a lot of people out there, was expected to be the starter for the Bears for the next however many seasons. And Mike Lennon, we know he wasn't he didn't work out. So maybe they would have gone to the next year's draft and gone with one of the top quarterbacks in that draft because that was the famous Darnold, Rosen, Allen, Mahomes, or Mayfield, Lamar Jackson draft. So maybe they go with someone there. But the coach didn't want him. The fans didn't want him. You see the famous reactions of the Chicago Bears fans after he got drafted. There's one guy sitting in the front at the bar they showed, and he just keeps going, a quarterback? Why did you draft a quarterback? And he traded up one spot to get him. Because remember, I bring this up all the time. People, again, like to rewrite history. That number one overall pick was between Miles Garrett and Mitch Trubisky. That was what it was between. And yes, you can go, well, that's a typical Browns move. You're arguing with the Browns and Bears, teams that have been in quarterback purgatory for their entire existence. Like, the the Browns have had more successful quarterbacks. Like, if you're looking at the top tier of their quarterbacks, you're looking at Sid Luckman for the Bears, who is the greatest quarterback in their history. Like, he played a long-ass time ago, so it's, it's not like there's a lot of people out there going, oh, yeah, I remember sitting down and watching Sid Luckman play. Sid Luckman retired in 1950. Some of your grandparents weren't even born then. Like, it's a long time ago. So there's not a lot of people clamoring to defend Sid Luckman. But for the most part, we all agree Sid Luckman's the best quarterback in Bears history. For the Browns, it's Otto Graham. Convincingly, Otto Graham. I played with Otto Graham in Madden 2003 with Marshall Falk on the cover. Otto Graham was number 60. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. He wore number 14, but 60 is the number I always think of him as. Sid Luckman wore 42. Different times in the NFL. And then you're looking at the second best quarterback in franchise history between the Browns and Bears. Who are you bringing up? Because statistically, for the Bears, it's Jay Cutler. But I'm sure 99% of Bears fans out there were saying it's Jim McMahon. is the number two quarterback behind Sid Luckman. And for the Browns, you're learning, you're leaning Bernie Kosar, is what I would guess. There might be someone in there that I'm completely forgetting about, but neither one of these franchises have been very good at selecting quarterbacks in the draft. Like, you're looking at the, three, the two best quarterbacks in their franchise history, all of them played for the organization 
pre-1990. Like, that's not what we're wanting to look at here. So when you look at, when I bring up the Bear, the Browns were between Miles Garrett and Mitch Trubisky, that shouldn't be surprising to a lot of you out there. And the team that traded up to draft Trubisky, yeah, that shouldn't surprise you either. Like, I'm surprised the Bills weren't involved in that to some capacity. But you had an organization that was not unified in the decision to draft him because according to other reports, Ryan Pace told Patrick Mahomes he was the number one guy. Which again, it's Lions season. You got you can't believe all the reports out there. So he was the number one guy. And they trade up to draft Trubisky. No one apart from Pace knew they were drafting Trubisky. Same thing with draft day. No one knew Vontae Mack was going first overall apart from the GM of the Cleveland Browns. And no one knew that. It was just him. So there's no unification there. The fans don't like him. Like, his first appearance, he made an appearance at a Bulls game with a jersey. He got booed. The relationship between Trubisky, the Bears organization, and the Bears fans was never unified. You look at the relationship between Richardson, the Colts, and the fans, it is unified. Shane Steichen texted Chris Ballard that there's things Anthony Richardson can do with the football in his hands that no one else can do. Chris Ballard praised Anthony Richardson. Jim Ursay said if they had a more all pick, they're drafting Anthony Richardson. There was unification there. The fans have been thrilled with drafting Anthony Richardson. There's a confidence in his interviews that you did not get when Trubisky got drafted. There's a quarterback in Gardner Minshew that was signed in the with the knowledge that he is not going to be the starter. He's going to be the bridge guy. Colts were very open that they were going to draft a quarterback this year. You did not have that in Chicago. You had a guy who was signing with the organization who thought he was going to be the franchise guy. Potentially. Signed, I think, a four-year deal or something like that. Like, they're completely different situations. Sir, the start's the same. They both had 13 career starts, both drafted in the top five. They're completely different situations, though, in regards to everything else. And that's why I'm excited for Richardson. That's why I'm very excited for Richardson. I've been on the Anthony Richardson hype train before last season even started. You can go back and listen to shows about it. Like, this dude is the real deal, and I'm excited to see what he does in Indianapolis. Jim Irsay came out today and said that he could see him starting week one. Trial by fire sometimes works the, sometimes works the best. Josh Allen wasn't supposed to start the entire rookie year. And guess what? He was forced to start week two against the Chargers because Nathan Peterman put up a 0.0 QBR against the Ravens. He had a higher QBR if he chucked the ball on the ground every single throw. Like, there's different. Sometimes it works out best to just throw them out into the fire and let them suffer for a little bit. And then if they come out better, that's beautiful. If they come out worse, then he was never meant to be your franchise guy anyways. But you, the beauty of the Indianapolis Colts organization right now is that you have Gardner Minshew. So you don't need to start Richardson unless you have – you don't need to do anything with him. You can have him sit for the whole year. Minshew, if you're looking at the grand scheme of backup quarterbacks in the NFL, you are arguably having the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Like, what if their backup compares to Gardner Minshew at this point in time? Reed Sinnott's not in the NFL anymore, so you can't say him. So who else would you have up there in regards to the best backup quarterback in the NFL? Like I'm going to go to the ESPN right now, and I'm going to go to each roster and try to remember who the backup is. So the Bills is Kyle Allen. I like Kyle Allen, but no. Mike White's in Miami, so maybe you could argue Mike White. Bailey Zappi in New England. Zach Wilson in New York with the Giant with the Jets. Is Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown with the Ravens. Joe Burrow's got is it is it Brandon Allen still? I'm not 100. Whatever. The Browns. It's not Jacoby Brissett. He's in Washington. Steelers. It's Trubisky. You could argue Trubisky's up there for best backup. 
Houston, it's either Davis Mills or Case Keenum. Because C.J. Stroud is going to start week one. I, I have a hard time believing he won't. Uh, Jacksonville, C.J. Beathard. Titans, Will Le- or no, Malik Willis, technically. I, they came out and said that Tannehill's the starter, Willis the backup, Levis is third string. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Broncos, they just signed somebody. Uh, Jarrett Stidham. Chiefs is Blaine Gabbert, you could say him. Raiders is Brian Hoyer and uh, Aiden O'Connell. They just drafted him yesterday. Chargers, still Chase Daniel. I think it's still – they drafted Max Duggins, which I think is really cool. Cowboys got Cooper Rush. Giants, Tyrod Taylor. Is he still there? Who knows? I, I'm not really desperate to find out all of this, but I'm just going to go off memory. Eagles, who would they sign? I mean, they just drafted Tanner McKee, which is an insane difference in offense. Good Lord. If you're going from Jalen Hurts to Tanner McKee, that is a complete switch in the offense. I don't – I like Tanner McKee. I couldn't think of uh, – the only other place that would have been worse for him would probably be Baltimore in regards to our offense is going to have to change completely if Jalen Hurts or Lamar gets hurt. Uh, Washington, you got Jacoby Brissett. Bears, Nathan Peterman. <laughs> they have someone else there too, but I, Nathan Peterman. Lions, they just drafted Hendon Hooker, like that pick. Packers, Jake Hayner. No, not Jake Hayner. He just went down to New Orleans. He was who I thought the Packers would draft. Uh, Sean Clifford, Sean Clifford. Vikings is Jaron Hall. I really like that one. They got Nick Mullins there too. Falcons, Desmond Ritter's there. Who is his back? Uh, Tanner he- Taylor Heineke. Panthers is Andy Dalton. T- Bryce Young's going to start week one. Saints is Jake Hayner. Just brought him up or Jameis Winston. Buccaneers is either Mayfield or Trask. Don't know who they're going to start. They might have drafted somebody too, but I can't remember. Cardinals, Colt McCoy, or I mean Kyler's hurt, so I don't remember who else they have other than Colt McCoy. Did they draft somebody? Oh, the Browns got um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. That's their backup. Rams, they just drafted uh, Stetson Bennett. 49ers is Darnold. And then you got the Seahawks. Did they draft a quarterback? I don't remember if they did or not. Who else do they have on their roster? I, Drew Locke, I think, still there. So, yeah, if you're looking at the landscape of backups, I think you could argue Minshew is the number one guy. Maybe Tyrod. I love myself some Tyrod Taylor, so I'll always have his back, but... Colt's got a good system set up. You got Jonathan Taylor. You got a top five running back, arguably top ten running back in the league there as well. You've got things in place that will make Richardson's life a whole lot easier, which is what the Bears didn't have when they drafted Trubisky. I have so much faith in Anthony Richardson going. I'm not going to make any proclamations or any bets on anything, but I think this dude's going to be special. I'm happy he's in Indianapolis. I'm really happy. Like, I was laughing. I was smiling. I was clapping. I was like, man... Love that pick. He is better than Will Levis. I've said that for months. I'm glad he went before him. I'm glad the quarterbacks went where they did. I love where the quarterbacks went where they did, especially the first-round quarterback. I love where they went. Now, did I think Levis would follow the way out of the first round? No, but we'll talk about him in a little bit. Fifth, Seahawks, that was the first shocker of the draft. Not necessarily the player deserving to where he went. Uh, I thought it was... I, I didn't I didn't think he was good. I didn't think they were going to go Witherspoon. I saw a it was Bucky Brooks. It was Bucky Brooks that had Christian Gonzalez, a corner from Oregon, going here, and that's where I started thinking about oh maybe they do go corner because you look at the Seahawks' current situation. They've got Kobe Bryant and Tark Woolen. Kobe Bryant plays in the nickel. Tark Woolen on one side. You want someone to partner Woolen on the outside. Devin Witherspoon is a tough, hard nosed corner. He's not got the size of Woolen, but this dude's a baller. Definitely deserving of a top five pick. It just didn't the the team that picked him was surprising. I thought he was going to the Lions. 
And we'll talk about them in a little bit because they traded back the next pick. Trade all the way back to 12. 12. So I would imagine the Lions had Devin Witherspoon on their board, and then he got picked at five, and then that kind of screwed everything up. But the Cardinals got pa- Paris Johnson. Makes sense. Need offensive line help. They The reports were saying that it was one of their biggest needs going into the season. Front office valued that pick a lot. Yeah, Paris Johnson going there made sense. Tyree Wilson going to the Raiders makes sense. But the big caveat here is that all the reports were saying they were going corner. It was Christian Gonzalez or Devin Witherspoon. And with Witherspoon, to me, going to the Lions, it opened the door for Gonzalez going to the Raiders. Now, that could have been in the same breath that they didn't think Tyree Wilson would be available. Because Tyree Wilson, for most people out there, including myself, was a higher-rated player in the draft overall than Christian Gonzalez. I, you could argue with Devin Witherspoon, but Christian Gonzalez, we had Tyree Wilson above him. So that would make sense in regards to we're just going to stick to the board. Reports were that they were going to go after a corner. Corner's gone. That they maybe would have wanted. Tyree Wilson's available. We're going to take him, which makes sense. They need edge help anyways. They need D-line help. They were going to go defense. They were going to go defense. Uh, Falcons took Bijan. Yeah, we that was pretty much guaranteed at that point. The Falcons love drafting skill position players with high picks. Doesn't matter how much they actually need them or not. They just had a 1,000-yard rusher last year. But, hey, this is a similar enough situation to that of the Jacksonville Jaguars when they drafted Travis Etienne when they had James Robinson. James Robinson's third string up with the Jets. I don't even know if he's still on the Jets. And Travis Etienne just rushed for over 1,000 yards. So, I mean, there's upgrades available. Travis Etienne, at the time, we defended that pick because at that time, too, we said he was a better receiver than some of the other receivers in the draft as a running back. Like, there's so much more you can do with Travis Etienne than James Robinson, who's fine. I like James Robinson. I like the story, like, growing from undrafted Illinois State to starting NFL running back. But Travis Etienne's better. You can upgrade the position. Same thing with Trey Mason Trey Mason when he was with the Rams. Trey Mason had a good rookie year. Didn't rush for 1,000 yards, but had a good rookie year. Third-round pick from Auburn, Heisman finalist, and they draft Todd Gurley 10th because Todd Gurley can do so much more for your offense than Trey Mason. Like, you can upgrade. You can like the guy you have. But you can upgrade it. Like, you look at the top traits of Cordell Patterson and Tyler Allgaier, and you're making someone that's not even as good as Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson's better than both of them. I think they'll have a nice two-back set going because Cordell, Cordell Patterson's 32, 33 years old. Productive still, but you need you can upgrade there. The Falcons now have three really good young skill position players on offense. So it's just a matter of if they can figure out how to use Kyle Pitts. That's the only issue here. But Drake, London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, that's a good young core there. And hopefully Desmond Ritter is good enough for you right now to be that guy for you. If not, you can sign Taylor Heineke. So fine. Eagles traded up, got Jalen Carter. Yeah, not surprised. That was the player they were targeting. If he was available, we were going to have him take him. I was stuck between him going to the Bears or the Eagles, but he was going to one of those places. If he slipped past Seattle. Because again... I didn't think Detroit would pass on a corner if Devin if Devin Witherspoon with the caveat of Devin Witherspoon being there. I didn't think they pass on Devin Witherspoon, but he's gone. So then you trade back. So if Seattle didn't take him, if Seattle took someone different than Devin Witherspoon, I think the Lions stay at six. And then we're talking about who the Cardinals trade up with, but the Eagles trading for Jalen Carter. That's not surprising. It's not surprising. It, it's, if he slipped past Seattle, he's going to either uh, Philly or Chicago, and. It sucks because of the the Eagles, good Lord, right now, they're the easy favorites for the Super Bowl. And we'll talk about why in a little bit later. But uh, that's an insane pick. To get the best player in the draft at nine is ridiculous. And I know there's some Bears fans that were a little upset by that 
because you get the best player available, the guy you could have taken at one, you get at nine. Draft day all over again. We keep bringing that in the movie, but maybe it's more realistic than I'm giving it credit for. <laughs> but the Bears at 10 took Darnell Wright. If Paris Johnson wasn't there, it was going to be Darnell Wright. That's what the that's what it felt like anyways. Darnell Wright was my favorite tackle in the draft. I love this dude. And the Bears needed a natural right tackle. Darnell Wright is that. Paris Johnson can play on the right side, play right guard at Ohio State, so I think him playing on the right side of an O-line would not have been an issue. But you get a guy that's naturally a right tackle, makes sense. I like the pick a lot. Skaronsky went number 11 to the Titans, like that pick a lot. Titans were, quote-unquote, desperate for a quarterback, but a trade up to three looked insanely unlikely. So they were either going to draft a guy there or take a tackle. And they obviously didn't have a first-round grade on Levis because they took him in the second round, but taking a tackle here or guard, either way, Skaronsky has like the most well-rounded film you could watch out of the offensive lineman. There's very few wrong steps that he has there. You could say the same thing about Rashawn Slater when he got drafted in 2021. You could say similar things there. Arm length, not amazing, but overall skill set and ability, you've got it all there with Skronsky. You play him at guard or tackle, either one should work at the next level. I have very, um, what do you want to call it? I don't want to say he can't be a bust because, again, everybody can be a bust by some potential. I think he's one of the safer players in the draft, if that makes sense. I think he's one of the safest picks in the draft. Then the second so the first surprise of the draft was Seattle taking Devin Witherspoon. Again, nothing to do with the player. It's about the team that took him. And I, I think it's a great fit. I don't even think it's a bad pick by any stretch of the imagination. I think Devin Witherspoon going to Seattle makes sense. But Jameer Gibbs going 12. This is back-to-back years the Lions have thrown a wrench in the entire draft. Because last year they were picking 32 because of the Rams. Because they had the, Sam Brad, the Matt Stafford trade. And they traded up from 32 to 12 to get Jamison Williams, who suspended the first six games of this year. He's had one catch up to this point in his career. But I think Jamison Williams will come. I love that dude coming out of Alabama. And they go back to Alabama again and take Jameer Gibbs. Now, per reports, everybody that I read up on said that there's not as big of a gap as everybody thinks there is between Gibbs and B. John Robinson. And I think if you're looking at what you're, it depends on what you're looking for, I guess. Because if you're wanting a receiving back, that is Jameer Gibbs, tenfold. He is Alvin Kamara. He's a very similar, like you're getting, this is the comparison everybody likes to use, but Bijan Saquon and Jameer Gibbs is Alvin Kamara. Two amazing running backs. You're not getting anything really wrong there. And like I said with uh, Travis Etienne, Gibbs is a better receiver than some of the actual receivers in this draft. Jameer Gibbs is a freaking baller. Jameer Gibbs was the most consistent wide receiver at Alabama this past year. He had 44 catches last year. Like, this is a year. We brought this up a thousand times. This is a year at Alabama where they didn't have that traditional top-level wide receiver. They always seem to have at least one guy that's super good, that's better than everybody, It's going to be a guaranteed top 15 pick. They didn't have that this year. You look at however many past years they had, they didn't have that this year. Jameer Gibbs was that. They had Cameron Ladu as well. They had Trayshawn Holden. Uh, Jermaine Burton was supposed to be something good. Tyler Harrell was supposed to be good, but nothing really transpired there. So Gibbs was the most consistent thing there. Transfer in Georgia Tech. I like the guy. I did not think he was going 12. If you would have told me before the draft that Jameer Gibbs would go before Nolan Smith, I would have called you crazy. Like, we had Nolan Smith going 10th. He went 30th. We had Jameer Gibbs going 30th. He went 12th. Like, that is crazy to me. Now, that being said, I like the player a lot. And the Lions, who lost Jamal Williams, who have 
relatively never really had a fond relationship with, with DeAndre Swift, they were going to go looking at a running back at some point in the draft. And if there was no massive hole or massive gap between the likes of Gibbs and B. John Robinson, then this opens the door for that. I think Gibbs will be an awesome player in the NFL. I really like the player. I think it's a little early, but as far as the player goes, I like him a lot. I like him a lot. He'll fit with what the Lions want to do on offense, too. Number 13, Lucas Van Ness. This one pissed me off for a few reasons. Let me ask you this. If you, so well, it's not really a question. Logan, or yours truly, had Lucas Van Ness going to the Green Bay Packers in three of the four mock drafts we did. Three of the four. Could you take a wild guess on which one of those four did not have Lucas Van Ness going to the Packers? Yes, you would be exactly right. It was the last one we did, the most important draft we did. And I was rotating between the pack the entire freaking time. And it was going to be Van Ness going to the Packers, Van- Jack Smith the Jigba going to the Patriots. We have Jack Smith the Jigba going to the Packers, Lucas Van Ness to the Patriots. It was one of those two. And I couldn't decide between the two. And all the reports were like, oh, they traded up to get Jack Smith the Jigba. This is another example of draft day being a pain in the freaking ass. Because I did, I had this pick the egg, every mock draft we did. And then once they drafted him, the Patriots traded back. So Patriots were targeting this guy too. I didn't think that was a thing until recently. So they took him. He was the most, that was one of the most easy fits in the draft. Was Lucas Van Ness going to the Packers. Easiest fit. It felt like this is the most Packers player in this entire draft. And guess what? Logan decided we're going to send him to the Patriots one pick later because the Packers, who never draft wide receivers in the first round, are going to now draft a wide receiver because they don't like Aaron Rodgers that much. Like, it pissed me off in hindsight. Uh, 14, the Steelers traded up with the Patriots to jump the Jets to take it off to tackle because the tackle run went. There was reports talking about the Steelers were going to try and trade up for a tackle. And once the tackle run started happening, then the Steelers had to, to trade up. And the Patriots, who got screwed over by the Packers, potentially, because the Jets tried to screw them over by letting the Packers jump them and take a player they wanted, the Patriots, in turn, let the Steelers jump them to take Broderick Jones. And they got Joey Porter Jr. in the second round. Like, the Steelers had an amazing draft. The Steelers had an amazing draft. They had a really good draft. And getting beat Broderick Jones is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Now, the third surprise of the draft. New York Jets at 15, Will McDonald from Iowa State. First Iowa State player draft in the first round in 50-plus years. Long-ass time since this has been a thing. Some of your parents haven't been around as long as Iowa State has not had a guy draft in the first round. And if Brees Hall didn't do it last year, Will McDonald had a very good shot at doing this year. I went on Cole and Company the day of the draft, and he asked me what my floor and ceiling was for Will, Will McDonald in the first round. I had him going as high as 21 of the Chargers. I did not think, given what reports were saying about, like, again, Peter Schrager said that Van Ness, Miles Murphy, and Nolan Smith will all go in the first 20 picks. That was what reports said. Guess where all of them went? Or guess where two of them went? Outside of the top 20 picks. So with those that report coming out, and those three players, all edge rushers, potentially going to the first 20 picks, that closed the door on Will McDonald. At least that's what it sounded like, given what reports were saying. Like, Will Mc- Nolan Smith went 30th, Miles Murphy went 28th. That's where I thought Will McDonald would go. And he asked me, like, the most likely team to take him. I said the Eagles because of the connection with Nick Sirianni and Matt Campbell, both coaching at Mountain Union. I thought that was a natural fit. 
I didn't think there was a chance he'd go in the top 15, given that reports were talking about the other guys going ahead of him, going to the top 20. And I like Will McDonald more than Miles Murphy. I think Will McDonald playing in a three, whatever the hell you want to call Iowa State's defense, whatever, a three-man front defense at 240 pounds, becoming the Big 12's all-time leading sack getter is damn impressive. Damn impressive. How athletic he is. He said he's retired from jumping over cars. But the Jets are building something here in regards to the connection between them and Iowa State. You got Brees Hall last year. He signed Alan Lazard. And now you got Will McDonald. Surprised they didn't get Brock Purdy last year. But do I like the pick? And I, do I think Will McDonald's a good player? Yeah, I think he's a very good player. Did it surprise me in regards to how high he went? Yeah, it did. Especially with two picks later. So the Commanders took Emmanuel Forbes, which we were stuck between him going to the Commanders and Ravens. Stuck between those two, because that was what pretty much sounded like was happening. And it was like, those are the two teams that like him the most. The Patriots got Christian Gonzalez at 17. If you had told me the day of the draft that Christian Gonzalez would not only not be a top 10 pick, but would be the third corner taken in the draft, I would have called you crazy. I didn't think that was a chance. I, I didn't think there was a chance in hell that was happening. But it happened. It happened. One of the most athletic corners in the draft, one of the most naturally skilled corners in the draft, it's got all the length and size you're looking for in a corner in today's NFL. And the Patriots got him. What did we say at last mock draft? Mock draft 3.0, what the Patriots needed. Serious lack of length in the secondary. And guess what? They got that tenfold with Chris Gonzalez. Like, the, the, the three surprises we had beforehand, talking about them going a lot sooner than we expected, this one, they traded back and still got Christian Gonzalez. I didn't think there was a chance in hell that he would follow the top 10. I had the idea of him going to the Patriots at 14, but even then, I was sitting there like, there's no way he falls to 14. There's no way. Because I had in my head, I was like, oh, the Steelers, the Raiders might draft C.J. Stroud. But I was like, I don't know if they actually will. I think they're going to lean defense, and all the reports saying corner. And I was trying to get all the drafts sorted out a different way to make sure I, like, I had Jalen Carter and Darnell Wright going to the Eagles and Bears because I was trying to find out a way to get J- freaking Paris Johnson the Cardinals because that's what it seemed like was going to happen, and it did, surprisingly. Because everything I saw was like, even if they stay there, if they stay at three, they're likely to take one of the edge rushers, but they really like Paris Johnson. So, and that ended up happening. But Christian Gonzalez, I couldn't, I couldn't sit there confidently and say he's going to follow the top ten. I couldn't do it because I was like, I was pretty confident the Falcons were going to take B. John Robinson. I was fairly confident in that. And then once Christian Gonzalez fell to the top 10 and the Patriots traded back, they got, they got him at 17? He went 10 picks later than I thought he would. That's crazy to me. Patriots got a really good player at 17, and I don't like that. Uh, the fourth or the fifth surprise of the draft, Jack Campbell going 18. I went on Colin Company, as we just said, on, on Thursday before the draft. I didn't think anybody in the first round would draft Jack Campbell except for the Bills. I thought he was the Bills guy. Like, you given all the reports that you saw, the fact they were they lost Tremaine Edmonds, I thought it was Jack Campbell to the Bills. Worked out with Luke Keekley, did all that stuff, but we're talking about from a, what do you want to call it, a uh, mentality standpoint, a fit standpoint. He fits what Detroit is wanting to be. And it could be that there's some weird relationship between him and Dan Campbell. Maybe they're related somehow. But he feels like a Lions player. He feels like that guy that would be in the middle of a defense like that. Like That's why I thought he would be a Bills player. He felt like that kind of guy. So was it surprising that Jack Campbell went 18? Yeah, definitely surprising that he went 18. I saw nobody saying he would go before the Bills. 
Nobody said that, let alone top 20. But again, if we're talking about fits, then that makes sense. Now, I think the Lions, given that they drafted Jameer Gibbs at 12, I think there was a shot that if they had Robinson or at Weatherspoon at 12 or at 6, they were drafting Gibbs here at 18. That's what I would guess. But who the hell knows? So maybe Campbell would have fallen to the Bills, but given what the Bills have said recently, the guy they drafted was always their guy. 19, Kalija Kansi going to the Bucks. Not surprised. Not really. I mean, they were they were linked with tackles, which makes sense. They just cut Donovan Smith this offseason. So tackle made a lot of sense, partner Tristan Wirfs, but they also need help on defense. They were getting older on defense. There was either an edge rusher there. I didn't think they'd go Kansi. I thought the Lions would zero in on Kansi, but like I saw reports Kansi's going to go higher than expected. He went lower than I expected. <laughs> I thought he was going to go 18. He went 19. Uh, the Seahawks at 20, they took Jack Smith and Jigba. Love it. Love it. We brought it up before. The fact that Tyler Lockett's turning 32 or 30. He's wrong side of 30, whatever age he is. You get him in the slot. The Seahawks are in a, a tough division. The Rams are, I refuse to believe the Rams are going to be as bad as they were last year. I have a hard time believing that. The Cardinals are going to suck ass, but the 49ers will always be good. And you want to try and keep up with them, get more weapons for Geno. They got that. Jack Smith and Jigba is the best receiver in the draft when healthy. So, yeah. Uh, 21, the Chargers, they took Quentin Johnston. I had a brutal time trying to figure out if Quentin Johnston was going to go in the first round or not. Because I think if you're talking about from a skill point perspective, perspective, there's not a lot of receivers more gifted than Quentin Johnston. Given his size and athleticism, there are not a lot of receivers you could really compare to him. He's a freaking monster. Now, he came into the combine a little bit smaller than what people expected. Which is weird to say. I think I like I always envisioned him at like six five. He came in at like six two or something. Which is not small, but it it surprised me because I thought this dude was bigger than everybody in the football field. I think his breakaway speed's speed's ridiculous. You see that in the the what was it, the game against Michigan? You see he got the little bubble screen and took it like seventy five yards to the house. You see that stuff, but then for a guy as big as what we perceived him to be, his win rate at jump ball situations was not great. So it was kind of one of those situations. I don't want to take anything away from Quentin Johnson. I'm not saying that he wasn't deserving of a first-round draft pick, because I think he was. But there was just some things that concerned me about that. It's kind of one of those things where you're just big for no reason. It's like, how are you losing jump balls when you're the biggest guy on the field for the skill position? That confused me a little bit. We still had him at wide receiver number four. Like His athletic skills are there. He can develop into something really, really good. And I think with the Chargers, works beautifully because Keenan Allen – Traditionally, has worked really, really good in the slot. He's worked, do- he's dominated in the slot. Keenan Allen, even as old as he is now and as injury prone as he is now, I mean, he's always been injury prone, but you look at the top receivers in the NFL, he is easily top three route runner in the league. Easily top three route runner in the league. You put him in the slot with two absolute monsters and Mike Williams and Quentin Johnston on the outside, you're looking at something crazy. And the Chargers drafted a lot of TCU players. I mean, their greatest player of all time went to TCU, so it makes sense why you just keep going to TCU. But he gets another weapon for for uh, Justin Herbert, so I like it. Zay Flowers went to Baltimore. Great fit. Great fit. Love that fit. They got Odell Beckham Jr. Signed Lamar Jackson to a five-year 260. Love it. Congratulations, Lamar. That is awesome for Lamar. Represents himself. Doesn't have an agent or anything. Now he's the highest-paid player in NFL history. Love it. Absolutely love it. And they got Zay Flowers. Beautiful. Love the fit. Love the fit. I didn't think he'd be here. I had the Chiefs trading up for him. I didn't think he'd be here. Uh, the Vikings, they took Jordan Addison. Makes sense. You have Adam Thielen, who left in free agency, or they cut him, 
and he went to the Carolina Panthers. Other than K- uh, Justin Jefferson, you have KJ Osborne, you have Jalen Rager, not a lot of other weapons out there in this Vikings team. And this is why we ultimately did not go with the quarterback here. Because when you look at the rest of the NFC, uh, apart from the Eagles, Niners, and Cowboys, the rest of the NFC is really wide open, especially in your division. No one knows what the Packers are going to be. No one knows what the, I have faith in Jordan Love. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback this year. I love some of the weapons they draft. They've got Luke Musgrave in the second round. They've got Tyler Kraft. They've got uh, Jaden Reed from Michigan State, the wide receiver. So they drafted weapons for Jordan Love. I think that's awesome. But we don't know what they're going to be. I have faith that they'll still be good, but we don't know that. The Bears, they should be better. I, I have a hard time believing they're only going to win three games this next year. Then you look at the Lions, they were a few games out from the playoffs. End of the Packers' playoff dream. They're not going to be worse. You wouldn't imagine so anyways. You expect them to be better. So the Vikings got to get win, be more win now than try to try build for the future. Like, would have I understand, understood them drafting a quarterback there? Yeah. Perfectly would have understood that, especially with Will Levis falling. Hell, there were reports talking about them going to trade up to number two to draft Will Levis. Maybe he comes the second pick of the third, the second round. And the Vikings had only, I think, three draft picks, so it didn't make sense. I had fr- my friends, Vikings friends, texting me, "Do I believe those rumors?" I was like, "No, I don't." That's a long way to go with no draft picks. Long way to go. And you're a team that's trying to win right now. So, or I say win right now, like trying to stay competitive. And you lose Adam Thielen. You gain Jordan Addison. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. We've compared him to Stephon Diggs in the past. He's an elite route runner. You got him and Jefferson, who is also one of the best route runners in the NFL. Dude. And they're talking about trading Dalvin Cooks. So we'll see what that happens. I think they, they drafted a running back yet. I think they got Dwayne McBride from UAB, which I really like. But we'll see what happens there. But getting Jordan Addison's awesome. Vane's got a really good group of weapons. Really good group of weapons. Giants, they took Deontay Banks. Yeah. Not surprised. We talked about, or at least in the mock draft, I guess we didn't have a show Friday, but we talked about in the mock draft that, hey, the Giants have a lot of one-year contracts on the secondary, especially the cornerback spot. Nobody's really nailed down a spot. The reports were saying they love Deontay, Blank, Deontay Banks. Falls to 24, take him. The Bills at 25, trading up the Jaguars to take Dalton Kincaid. We said this in mock draft 2.0. The, the Bills always, with Brandon Bean, they always tell you what they want. They always tell you what they want. And I thought that guy would be Jack Campbell, but with him off the board, that kind of made things a little bit more interesting. And I thought Jalen Hyatt would make sense too because the two things Brandon Bean talked the most about in the offseason, it's fun to look back at these things in hindsight, frustrating as hell to look back at these things, but fun as well. He talked about off the line and weapons. In regards to the weapon position, he talked about a lot early in the offseason especially about wanting to run 12 personnel, play with two tight ends. Because when he was with Carolina, they had Greg Olson and Ed Dixon. Like, they ran a lot of two tight end sets there. We talked about that in mock draft 2.0. We had them drafting Michael Mayer from uh, from Notre Dame. Who ended up being the third tight end taken in the draft. If you had that on your bingo card before the draft, congratulations. But I didn't have that. But they always said, we want weapons for Josh. Brandon Bean, we want to play 12 personnel. We've tried to find a number two tight end next to Dawson Knox. We haven't found that. Whether it was Tommy Sweeney, whether it was O.J. Howard, whether it was Quentin Morris, whether it was whoever, they haven't found that. Lee Smith, like, they've tried, and nothing's worked. And now you've got a guy like Dalton Kincaid available. You trade up to get him, because the Cowboys, notably, are wanting a tight end as well. And as I saw this today, they didn't think he'd fall past the Chargers. I didn't think he'd fall past the Chargers. So, like... 
him being available, I'm sure they freaked out. Like, oh yeah, trade up to get him. Trade up to get him. Cowboys are staying pat. They don't like to trade around the draft too much, tra- trading up anyways. Because there's been times in the past they've been heavily linked with players and they don't trade up for them. They just like to stay put. Usually. I'm not saying that happens every year, but usually. But Dalton Kincaid gives the Bills an insane option because he's not your traditional tight end. You can line this dude out in the slot. And what Dawson Knox is, or what he was when he drafted him, was a raw prospect. Dawson Knox, before he scored his first touchdown with the Bills, had never scored a touchdown in his football career. Never scored a touchdown in a football career. High school, Pop Warner, college, whatever. Never scored. He had the athletic traits to develop into a nice receiving tight end, but he wasn't there yet. And we see times and times of that throughout his NFL career so far with some amazing catches, but they also have some boneheaded drops in there. I really like Dawson Knox. I think he's insanely athletic. I think his relationship with Josh Allen's great. I think he's great around the team. But they paid him a lot of money, and he did not really do what that money says he should do. I think he had a good year last year. Not great. Good year. And I think adding someone like Dalton Kincaid not only adds pressure to Josh to Knox, because pressure makes diamonds, which is key, but it also gives Josh in a legit, legit weapon in the slot at the tight end. Like, we know what Dalton Kincaid is as a receiver. Dalton Kincaid easily, we've said this the entire time, is easily the best receiving tight end in this draft. And if you're looking at the top receivers in this draft, and from what I've heard Brandon Bean say, Dalton Kincaid is their highest rated weapon in the draft. From what it sounds like. Maybe he had J- Jackson with the Jigba higher. Maybe he had Jordan Flower, J- Zay Flowers higher. But comparatively to the other receivers, they had Dalton Kincaid really high. And would you rather have, like I've seen this question posed on Twitter, and it's always interesting to hear people's response about this. Would you rather have the fifth best receiver or the best tight end? Like if you're drafting like that, would you rather have the fifth best receiver or the best tight end? Who might even be a top three receiver in the draft. Maybe top two receiver in the draft. Like Dolan Kincaid, I love this dude. And I was super stoked when he got drafted by Buffalo. Brandon Bean talked about wanting to play 12 personnel. Dolan Kincaid will help that a lot. And I think as of right now, like currently, I loved, again, I love Dawson Knox. I think Dolan Kincaid will probably be tight end one. I like this dude a lot. I, the Bills aced that pick. They aced the draft. They had a really good draft. We'll talk about the rest of their picks here in a little bit. But Cowboys took Mozzie Smith. Not a lot of Cowboy fans were thrilled with that pick because they wanted a tight end. But Mozzie Smith, we toured the idea of him going to Dallas. They were linked with him a few times. But tight end was the most logical thing. I was watching the NFL Network. My dad was watching ESPN. He said they only talked about Michael Mayer going to the, the Cowboys, which is what I had. I had Michael Mayer going to the Cowboys, so I would have loved to have that. But it's not what happened. But Mozzie Smith does feel a need for the Cowboys. They needed to add some beef along the defensive line. Get him there at 27 or 26. It's not the pick you wanted, but you do need him. And you got tight end later. You got Luke Schoonmaker in the second round, which I think is a good pick there. The Jaguars took Anton Harrison. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, you look at uh, Cam Robinson getting suspended for PEDs. That changes the draft board a little bit for you if you're Jacksonville. Kind of changes things a little bit. So... Yeah, that one makes sense. That one makes sense. I thought they'd go defense, but that make that definitely makes sense. Athletic, he fills a need. Uh, Doug Peterson wanted to tackle last year, didn't get it, so he got one this year. <laughs> and he lost Jawan Taylor. So you can start him at right tackle, too, if uh, Cam Robinson comes back. Then you've got Miles Murphy, went to the Bengals, makes sense. 
They wanted to add some pressure on the defensive line. They liked the three-tech spot. Saw people linking him to Kalijah Kansi. Didn't think he'd be available there. So, yeah, makes sense to me. Brian Brezzi made sense here, too, and he went to the Saints at 29. Yeah, we had them taking – oh, crap, who do we have them taking? Do we have them taking Mossy Smith? We D-tackle seemed like – D-line was the most logical thing for the Saints there. Eagles took Nolan Smith at 30. Don't know how the hell he was available there. Whatever. And the Chiefs took Felix Anaduke Uzuma, who we toyed with the idea of him going there as well. We talked about that on Wednesday's show, talking about possible players the Chiefs could draft. Because, again, Carlos Dunlap's gone. Um – What's his name? Frank Clark's gone. So you needed to fill a hole at defensive end. He's a bigger-ish defensive end. He's not, like, monstrous, but he's 255. Like, he's bigger than that of Will McDonald, which is who we had going in there in Macha 3.0. Bigger than Nolan Smith. Like, sometimes you're trying to find fits for teams, and they like bigger defensive ends. And he's not, again, not 270 pounds like George Koloftis or anything, but 255, good size, Kansas State guy. He'll be a fan. He'll be a fan favorite there. Now... If I had to say my favorite picks from the first round, uh, Anthony Richardson going to the Colts, I loved it. The Eagles getting Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, two people I had going in the top 10 at ten and, or at 9 and 30, I think it's ridiculous there. The Packers getting Lucas Van Ness is nice. I think that's a very Packers pick. Um, Dalton Kincaid going to the Bills, awesome. Zay Flowers to the Ravens and Jordan Addison going to the Vikings. Great picks there too. I You can't really have too many. I, there's not a lot of teams that could really have a lot of complaints here. Maybe the Lions because they – they drafted Gibbs and Campbell early or whatever, but they got those are two really good players. It's not like they're bad players or anything. You might have reached on them, but they're good players. And they got freaking uh, Sam Laporta in the second round. And you got Brian Branch. You jumped the Patriots to get Brian Branch, a player that we had going in the first round of the Lions in Montreal 3.0. Like, or Montreal 2.0, sorry. Like, they got good players. They got really good players. Uh, second round, Steelers took in Joey Porter Jr. Made sense. Will Levis going to the Titans. I like it. I think he fits there. We had him going to the Titans in Matra 3.0. Yeah, I think from a, a fit standpoint, he fits the Titans ethos. I think that if you go from Tannehill to him, there's not that big of a talent discrepancy because of the fact that he is six. He's a bigger dude. Well, Malik Willis is a little smaller. So there's that there. I think he's really gifted. I think his interviews were not great. I think his offseason was weird. We've talked about that a thousand times. But I think the Titans fit him. I think he'll be fine there. I think him working with a young group of receivers, though they're inexperienced as hell, and they're not that deep at the position, I think that could be fine there. I think he'll fit with what they want to do. And, hey, Drew Brees was drafted the 32nd pick, second round, in 2000, 2001. Like, you don't need to be a first-round pick to be a success in the NFL. Derek Carr signed a massive massive deal in, in Oakland before he got hurt, signed a deal in New Orleans, second-round pick. Andy Dalton's had a long-time NFL career. He's a second-round pick. You don't need to be a first-round pick to be a success in the NFL, but that is going to be the most famous draft day slide in NFL history because he was shown on screen, I think they said, 37 times. He said before the draft he's going to go to the draft because there's no way. He would not go to the draft if he knew he was going to slide. And he slid to the second round. So, yeah, <laughs> he's going to be talked about a while. Raiders got Michael Mayer to replace Dar- uh, Darren Waller. Great pick. Rams took Steve Avila, number one. Or we had him as the number two interior offensive lineman. Uh, we had Osiris Torrance, number one, who ended up going to the Bills, who is not the most athletic or fleet-footed guy out there, but had been linked with the Bills numerous times. Throughout the offseason, we had him going to the Bills a few times. Plays predominantly at right guard. I think he's played 34, started 34 games at right guard in his college career. So he's going to slot in at right guard. You're going to have 
McGovern and Bates battled out at left guard. We'll see what happens there. One would assume, anyways. One would assume. But in regards to run blocking, he might be the best natural run blocker in the draft. So I think that definitely helps out the Bills because the running back situation for the Buffalo Bills has not been great. They've had little to no running attack from the running back position in the past however many years since Josh has been drafted. I think adding someone like this definitely helps. Because Spencer Brown, who has not really been that great of a run blocker in his time in Buffalo, adding a guy like Osiris Torrance would definitely make his life a whole lot easier. You might even argue he's the best run blocker on the Bills' offensive line already. The Bills' offensive line has been horrific at run blocking for however many years. So it's a very nice pick there. Uh, what other teams we have here that I really want to talk about? Panthers getting Jonathan Mingo. People said he was going to go earlier than expected. He went through the Panthers at 39, so he got a young player, young raw receiver to work with Bryce Young. You got Jaden Reed. We already talked about him going to the Green Bay Packers. Keanu Benton, nose tackle from Wisconsin, going to the Steelers. Love that pick. Cody Motch going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Could play tackle, could play guard. Again, we talked about the Donovan Smith thing. Keon White went to the New England Patriots at 46. Jets took Joe Tittman. Really like that pick. Really like that pick. And slot in at guard right away. Can also play center. But he played center at Wisconsin, but apparently a few people think he can slot in at guard. Perfectly fine. Dolphins took Cam Smith, which I was kind of surprised about, especially since Zach Charbonnet went to pick later. Like I, Zach Charbonnet went to Seattle, which I thought he was going to go to the Miami Dolphins, who don't have really have a running back right now, unless I'm completely forgetting about a running back that they have. They drafted Devin Ashenay from Texas A&M, which I really like. They're just going for speed. You got Raheem Mostert there as well. Like they're going for speed. But I thought Zach Charbonnet would be their guy there. Add a little something different to the backfield. And I thought there's some reports they were going to try and go in for DeAndre Swift, who got traded to the Eagles. Surprise, surprise, another Georgia guy going to the Eagles. Then we have John Michael Schmitz going to the Giants at 57. Remember, we they lost Gates to the Washington Commanders this offseason. They're starting center. Open a door at center. Get John Michael Schmitz. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson went to the Bears at 56. Chiefs took Rishi Rice at uh, 55 from SMU. Tui, Tui Pelotu went to the Chargers at 54. Where else we got? Luke Shoemaker, we talked about him. Osiris Torrance going to the Bills. DJ Turner to the Bengals at 60 is a great pick. Love that pick for the Bengals. They're trying to improve their defense. Trying to improve their defense. And uh, J.J. Turner adds a lot of speed to the outside. A lot of speed. Jaguars took Brenton Strange from Penn State. Then we've got... Who else do we really want to talk about? Sidney Brown going to the Eagles at 66 is an awesome pick. Places Chauncey Gardner-Johnson went to the Lions. Great pick up there. Denver took Drew Sanders, pick 67, which I think is a little bit of a steal. Hendon Hooker goes a pick later to the Lions at 68. Then we have Tank Dell going to the Texans at 69. Awesome pick there. Great receiver from Houston. Keeps him down in Houston. Apparently he sent a DM to the Texas organization said, keep me down in Houston. They did that. Then we've got Kendra Miller going to the Saints at 71, which is a little bit earlier than I expected, but good player. Carlos took Garrett Williams from Syracuse corner. Jalen Hyatt went to the Giants at 73, which is an awesome steal there. Jalen Hyatt, I... The reason Jalen Hyatt fell, I think, is pretty easy to understand, though. He's not very big and is pretty much a liability when it comes to run blocking. So I, I understand why he fell. And Cedric Tillman went to pick later, his Tennessee teammate, to the Browns. But his speed is ridiculous. Like, it is top-notch speed. Tucker Craft, we are talking about him going to the Packers. Colts got Josh Downs from Indianapolis, or from North Carolina, guy the Bills were linked with in the first round. They got him at 79. J. Spear, who a guy I loosely wanted on the Bills, went to the Titans at 81, which is a nice one-two punch between him and Derrick Henry. Adds something completely different to their offense from the running back spot. Riley Moss, cornerback from Iowa. Angony Kid went to the Denver Broncos at 83. Devin Ashton, we talked about him going to the Dolphins at 84. Dayan Henley 
went to the LA Chargers at 85, really liked Henley, really, really liked him. The linebackers went in the order we thought they would, really. Campbell, Sanders, Henley, and then we had Trent Simpson go the next linebacker. We might have had Simpson and Henley flip, but whatever. And then the Bills took the next linebacker. Or no, DeMarion Overshone went to the Cowboys at 90, and then the Bills took Dorian Williams at, at 91. And I always loved this. So my dad's brought – I was actually just talking to my dad about this earlier today. Bills fans on Twitter love to just, like, randomly complain about because you've been so bad for so long that it's easy to find faults in things. Like, I saw – so they drafted Dorian Williams, who I said – I was watching the draft with my dad. My mom and dad were there, and I was like, I think they're going to draft Dorian Williams. We really like it at Tulane. He was my fifth linebacker on the board, I think. And, you know, Jabari Van Overshow went to the Cowboys at 90. The next best linebacker is Dorian Williams. They need help at linebacker. They take Dorian Williams, who's extremely athletic. He doesn't have the natural size you're looking for if you're, like, Bills fans wanted to replace Tremaine Edmonds, and I wanted to replace Tremaine Edmonds, which is why we had Jack Campbell going to the Bills. You got the 6'5", 249, 250 pounds. Size comparison to Tremaine Edmonds is uncanny. He may not be as athletic, but he's as sure as sure as sure of a tackler as you're going to get in the draft. Dorian Williams is the same thing, except the fact he's only 6'1", 220, 230. And what Bills fans were freaking out about on Twitter is that Brandon Bean came out after the draft and said, we're going to start him at special teams. It's like, what are you expecting him to say? You're not going to come out drafting a third-round draft pick. Oh, all these guys are going to start right away. That's what fans want to hear. That's not realistic at all. You've got to start him off somewhere. You can't just hand him the starting job getting drafted. You're going to lead to complacency. You don't want to do that. Yeah, start him at special teams. He's athletic enough to play special teams. He'll learn Mike Linebacker. We don't know if they're going to keep the exact same defense that Leslie Frazier was running. We don't know if they're going to keep the 4-2-5 defense. They might switch three linebacker sets. Who the hell knows? But all I do know is that Dorian Williams is better than Terrell Bernard. It's a better draft pick because people are like, oh, you're just wasting third-round draft picks. No, you're not. This dude's insanely athletic. Insanely athletic. And sure, is he going to start off at Will? Yeah, because that's his position. You're not going to say, yeah, he's going to start off at safety. Well, no. You start him off at his position, you ask him to learn other positions. And if it works out, it works out. You're not going to get guaranteed starters every single round. Like, would I love that this dude turned into a future Hall of Famer? Yeah, I would love that. But I'm going to have somewhat realistic expectations on his development. I'm not going to sit here and bash him and bash the pick. Like, I love the pick. I said that this was my prediction when I was with my parents that Doreen Williams would go to the Bills. Fast, tough tackler, motor, extremely high. It's a player the Bills would love to have. He's going to learn from Matt Milano, one of the best linebackers in the NFL, first team All Pro. First team All Matt Milano. <laughs> all, all, all pro, all Milan pro. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think the pick's awesome. I think it'll be fine. You have to start him somewhere. You already got people you lined up to start at Mike Linebacker. You might as well start him off somewhere. You might switch to a three-linebacker set. Who the hell knows? We'll just have to play it out. I think the Bills had a great draft. I think the Bills had one of the best drafts in the NFL. Uh, Darnell Washington went to the Steelers at 93. Absolute steal. Don't know how. He must have had some. I know he had some medical issues, but I didn't know if it would fall this far. Uh, Michael Wilson from Stanford went to the Cardinals at 94. Jordan Battle fell to the Bengals at 95. Ricky Stromberg went to the Commanders at 97. Again, we talked about them getting Gates, but Stromberg adds a nice depth there. Siaki Ika went to the Cleveland Browns at 98. Some big-bodied dude in the middle of the Browns' defense. Jake Moody from Michigan got drafted by the Niners. Remember, they just lost Robbie Gold, so now they got a kicker hole, and he's the first kicker taken in the draft. Uh, Trey Tucker 
from Cincinnati went to the Raiders at pick 100. He went before Tyler Scott. I was not expecting that. That surprised me. I, I thought the other Cincinnati receiver would go first. Then Cameron Ladu went to the San Francisco 49ers at 101. Makai Blackman, my cousin, went to the Minnesota Vikings at 102. Then keep scrolling a little bit more. Keely Ringo fell all the way down to 105. Do, surprised me. Do, I don't know how that happened, but he felt I know he was raw, but from that skill set, what you can mold there, let him go to the Eagles, learn under Bradbury, learn under Darius Slay. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. Blake Freeland went to the Colts at 106. They're just building the all combine team. Building all, and we didn't talk, I must have missed, forgot to talk about him, but Julius Brents, another combine guy. So your first four picks in the, the draft for the Colts were Richardson, Brents, Downs, and Blake Freeland. Downs didn't do anything like insane at the combine, but the other three, they all had something notable at the combine. Like you look at Blake Freeland's uh, vertical, which I know is not insanely important for an offensive lineman, but it's still very impressive. Brents had an insane, bro was it insane vertical or broad jump? I can't remember. Either way, he, I think he had insane both. Great size, too, in the Richardson. We already know about him. They're just building an insanely athletic, highly potential team. I loved the Colts draft. And the Colts draft was freaking awesome this year. Uh, Adetomo Adabaro went to the Colts at 110, which, again, what we're talking about there. Combine freaks. I didn't think there was a chance in hell he fell to 110. We toured with him going to the first round. And he drops all the way to 110. <laughs> did not see that happening. Dewan Jones, same thing. Goes 111 to the Browns. And that's a great pick. Great value pick. Don't know how that one happened. Clark Phillips from the Falcons at 113. Uh, Chandler Zavala from NC State went to the Carolina Panthers at 114. Roshan Johnson went to the Bears at 115, which is a great pick by the Bears. Then we keep scrolling a little bit. Ventral Miller went to the Jaguars at 121. Then we Isaiah McGuire from Missouri went to the Browns at 126. Stetson Bennett and Jake Hayner go back-to-back. To the Saints and Rams, Jake Hanner, Fresno State quarterback, will be backing up another Fresno State quarterback and in in Derek Carr. Stetson Bennett going in the fourth round. There's some quarterbacks that went after him that I think are a lot better than him, which surprised the hell out of me. But, hey, you got Sean McVay, quarterback from Georgia, not very big guy, Georgia State player of the year, above Calvin Johnson, didn't make it in the NFL. Maybe he feels some sort of connection with Stetson Bennett. I don't know, but... That surprised me. Charlie Jones going to the Bengals at 131 was nice. Nick Herbig, again, a Steelers guy, a Steelers guy, guy in the draft I think didn't think, didn't think would be available when they picked him. Nick Herbig at 132 is insane. And then you got Tyler Scott, the guy we brought before with Cincinnati, going to the Bears at 133. The Vikings got Jay Ward. So they addressed their two biggest areas of need, receiving core and secondary. Jay Ward and Blackman – Going in the third and fourth round. And then you got freaking Jordan Addison in the first. Perfect. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, we talked about him going to the Raiders at 135. Sean McVay, or Sean McVay, Josh McDaniel said he's got the same throwing motion as Tom Brady. Let's hype up, let's, let's keep the, the hype to a minimum there. But yeah, nice little comparison there. Uh, Clayton Toon and Dorian Thompson Robinson went back to back in the fifth round. Clayton Toon went to the Cardinals at 139, which I like. Again, big dude that can move. And Dorian Thompson Robinson went to the Browns. I'm sure we'll see Dorian Thomas Robinson play this year. I'm sure we'll see him in some gimmick sets. I think this dude will be I, – I think he could be a very good quarterback in the NFL. I like this guy a lot. Uh, Jacqueline Roy, again, big area of need for the Vikings. Defensive line. Good Jacqueline Roy, defensive tackle from LSU. Then we got Israel – I've I've had a short time saying his name the entire draft process. Abic, Abad Nkata, I'm pretty sure I said that right, went to the New York Jets. 
Jets building up a nice little running back room there. Jamie Robinson went to the Panthers all the way in the 145. I like Jamie Robinson a lot. Josh Wiley, tight end from Cincinnati, goes to the Titans at 147. Noah Sewell, linebacker from Oregon, brother of Panay Sewell, goes to the Bears at 148. Sean Clifford to the Packers at 149. There, you know what? There was part of me that thought Sean Clifford was going to go back to college football. I mean, might as well go back for your 25th year of eligibility. Might as well. <laughs> might as well do that. Uh, Oluwolu Watimi from Michigan. The center for Michigan goes to the Seattle Seahawks at 154. Then we've got Caillou Blue Kelly going to the Ravens at 157. I think that's a very good value pick. Daniel Scott going to the Colts. Really good value pick there as well. Dontavian Wicks, another wide receiver. So the Packers went heavy on the receivers and tight ends later in the draft. Then we had Antonio Johnson falling all the way down to 160. I don't again. I don't know. If there's medicals involved there, but I think from a skill based standpoint and size, I didn't think he'd fall all the way to 160. Nick Hampton from Appalachian State, very good edge rusher, uh, linebacker, edge rusher, went to 161. Will Mallory went to the Colts at 162. Chase Brown to the Bengals at 163. Jared Hall, talk about that going to the Minnesota Vikings at 164. I think that's an age thing. I think he fell because of his age. He's like he's 24 already. I think he's turning 25. He's already 25. Sorry, he's turning. He'll be 26 this time next year. So, yeah, I think that had something to do with it. I do think that had something to do with it because I think he's better than Stetson Bennett. Then we have Henry Toa Toa going to the the Houston Texans at 167, the Alabama connection. Owen Popo going to the Cardinals at 168. Chris Smith, safety from Georgia, going to the Raiders at 170. Again, fell a little bit further than expected. Uh, that's not the Jets. Giants drafting Eric Gray from Oklahoma. Evan Hull going to the Indianapolis Colts at 176. I like that pick. Davis Allen of the Rams at 175. Warren McClendon from Georgia going to the Rams at 174. Puka Nakua, really like him from, from BYU. Him and Jaron Hall had a really good connection there. Goes to the Rams at 177. Then we've got, scroll down a little bit further, Travius Hodges Tomlinson, LT's cousin, or nephew, sorry, going to the LA Rams. Picking him at 182. JL Skinner of the Broncos at 183. I like him a lot. Parker Washington, Kayshawn Booty. And Trey Palmer, and then we've got A.T. Perry, Elijah Higgins. Where is he at? Xavier Hutchinson and uh, and then Andre Iosivas all going in the sixth round. A few of those guys going a lot later than expected. Parker Washington and Xavier Hutchinson especially. A.T. Perry, same thing. I thought they'd go a little bit sooner than that. Then we've also got Jalen Duncan, who is teetering on first round early on in the draft process. Goes all the way to 186 from Maryland. Tanner McKee goes to the Eagles. We already brought that up. Insane difference in athleticism there between him and Jalen Hurts. Luke Weipler, center from Ohio State, falling all the way to 190 to the Browns. Really good value pick there. Chris Rodriguez goes to the Commanders at 193. Like that pick. Then we've got, keep scrolling a little bit. What other picks really stand? We talked about Xavier Hutchinson. Then we've got Deuce Vaughn going to the Cowboys. His dad, I guess, is a part of the Cowboys scouting department. He called him. Instead, he got drafted by the Cowboys, which I thought was really cool. But yeah, absolute speedster. Not very big. Fell definitely because of his size. Zach Evans, the greatest TCU running back of all time. Remember that post we talked about last year? Fell all the way to 215. Went to the Los Angeles Rams. D. Winters went to the 49ers. Fell a little bit in the draft. Then we got in the seventh round, Zach Kuntz. The tight end, the athletic freak tight end from Old Dominion. Went to the Jets at 220, which I thought he'd go a lot sooner than that. Jalen Jones from AM going to the Colts at 221. Dwayne McBride. Talk about him going to the Vikings at 222. Uh, DeMarco Hellman's, Hellams sorry, from Alabama going to the Atlanta Falcons at 224. Andrew Voorhees, that was all about injury. Towards ACL at the Combine, fell all the way to 229. Bill's got Nick Broker from Ole Miss. 
Bills were targeting Andrew Voorhees. That's why the Falcons ended up, or Ravens ended up draft, jumping them and drafting them. But the Bills got Broker, who I'm perfectly fine with there as well. Bills traded back a few times in this part of the draft, but Broker's a good pick. Then you got uh, Kenny McIntosh, the Seattle Seahawks, drafting two running backs in the draft. Ryan Hayes from Michigan goes to the, Seahawks, the Miami Dolphins at 238. Max Duggan to the Chargers at 239. Then we've got DJ Ivy from Miami going to the Cincinnati Bengals. Who else do I really want to talk about? Alex Austin, Bills, get him at 252, cornerback from Oregon State. Ronnie Bell from Michigan going to the Niners at 253. And then this year's Mr. Relevant, uh, Deshaun Johnson, going to the LA Rams at 259. Yeah, everybody was paying more attention to that this year than they were previous years because of the fact Brock Purdy <laughs> exists. But in regards to, like, I'm not going to grade any drafts. I don't. I hate when people grade drafts the day after a draft or a week after a draft or whatever. I don't think that's fair to do with any of these players because the Seattle Seahawks draft with – Bruce Irvin, Bobby Wagner, and Russell Wilson got an F grade. So I don't want to grade any draft picks after that because it's not fun. But I think I don't really think there's a lot of teams that could be truly upset with how their drafts went. I think everybody filled needs where they need it. Maybe some overdrafted more than others, but like I'm perfectly happy with the Bills draft. If I had to say my favorite drafts, I would go between the Steelers and Colts, and then the Eagles, obviously. Like the Eagles getting Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith and and ten and third or nine and thirty is stupid. I don't know how the hell they managed to pull that one off. but And getting DeAndre Swift as well. Colts getting all the combine freaks. You got Anthony Richardson, Julius Brents, Josh Downs is a great pick in third round. Blake Freeland, uh, Adebaro from Northwestern, like great pickups there. And you got the Bills. You get Dalton Kincaid, a receiving tight end, which gives Josh another weapon. It's the first, first, first round draft pick Josh has played with on offense since his rookie year when they had Kelvin Benjamin. Other than that, the Bills have had zero first-rounders on offense, apart from Josh Allen and Trubisky, who is Josh's backup. That's it. So this gives Josh that freedom to have somebody, oh, this guy's a really good player. We don't need to try and develop this guy. He's already really good. And you get Osiris Torrance, Dorian Williams. I really like that pick, too. Nick Broker, solid pickup in the later rounds. I, I think that there's not a lot of teams that could be truly upset with what happened in the draft. I think the Vikings had a good draft. I think the Patriots getting Christian Gonzalez at 17 is crazy. Yeah, I, I I like a lot of the teams that drafted this year. I think the Titans getting Peter Skronsky and Will Levis in the first two rounds is pretty impressive because there were some teams talking about they were going to trade up three to draft a quarterback, which we said, not realistic, but that was a rumor. And you end up getting Levis, a guy you were constantly linked to, in the second round. You had to trade up to get him, but second round pick. I think the Cardinals getting that first round pick next year from the Texans is freaking massive. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of teams that had a really good draft this year. I think the Bears had a good draft. Like, the Bears had 10 picks. They picked 10 players in this draft. That's impressive. That's impressive. I'm excited to see how all these people turn out. I think it's going to be really fun. I love the draft. I think this draft was one of, my more, one of the more favorite drafts I've had in a while, like just from a watching standpoint. Because I think, like, I was so happy when Anthony Richardson went second, fourth overall. I was so happy when C.J. Stroud went second overall. I'm so happy we saw three people from the state of Iowa go in the first 20 picks. Like, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Love the Bills draft. Drafting an offensive player, awesome. Now, all that being said, I'm going to end the show here. We've gone on a really long time, but we had to do a longer show because it's post-draft, the best time of the year. And, yeah, I will see you guys later. I hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I sincerely apologize. It'll probably be better next time. And I will see you all later. Peace.